I'm Alan Fairley, co-founder of ISL Talent. Our business is all about people and businesses with ambition trust us as a talent partner to help them build great teams. We're passionate about two things, helping startups and scale-ups grow and learning from others. The Scale-Up Diaries is about sharing the best bits from people that we admire, helping the wider startup and scale-up community on their journey. Hey, it's Alan here, and I'm really delighted to be joined today by Ian Dibb from Kilo. Um, someone I've spoken to a few times over the last few months and, and really excited to help him share some of his story and some of the story of Kilo as a business. So, Ian, great to have you along. Would love to um, ask you to introduce yourself and give a bit of background to, to you and, uh, and the business that you're building. Hi, Alan. Yes, I'm Ian Dibb, CEO and founder at Kilo.com. Um, it's a business which was started after I sadly lost my uh, my sister and mother within a two year period, um, and the process of going through the dealing with the person's estate and the administration and the legacy they left behind was something that took twelve to sixteen months for me to deal with. So Keely was born to make a difference to people's lives, helping them with all their kind of personal, legal, financial documentation, but also guiding them on a journey to to leave a legacy for those they love. Yeah, and it's clearly something that that strong kind of personal connection has meant that it's uh, it's a business you've had a lot of passion behind. Um, I know that uh, the business originally was was once I've gone and, and rebranded to Kilo um, not so long ago. So it'd be good to hear a bit more about why you decided to look at the rebrand at that stage and and what's the impact been for you as a business. Yeah, so when she, when we originally launched a business, it was once I've gone, and it was a name like Ron Seal. It does exactly what it says on the tin. What happens once you're gone? What happens to your personal, legal, financial information once you've gone? Would your family know where to access your will, your life insurance, car insurance, house insurance, if you weren't there? So once I've gone was, was a name that people understood, and especially our business partners and our, our financial advisors and will writers. But what we were finding that more and more of our clients were actually using the product on a day-to-day -day basis in the here and now. So we wanted to come up with a name which will allow people to think about using this as a day-to-day -day tool, not just an end-of-life planning tool. So once I've gone, actually pigeonholed us into the end-of-life sector. But what we are is we're still very much an end-of-life planning tool, but the real joy you can get from this using on a day-to-day -day basis is available for everyone. So Kilu comes from the, the Cornish word for family, which is Telu, and the K comes from the way you keep or your key information. So we combine the two words together to come up with Kilu. Uh, and one of the great things about this is because it is a completely made up name, it means you can actually get the domain names to go with it, which is a, in itself an absolute battle. Yeah, there's definitely uh, there's practical aspects. It's good to see that it's got some sort of connection to where you're based and obviously what the, the business is all about. But um, we've recently gone through a process calling ourselves ISL talent to reflect the fact that, yes, it is you know recruitment at our core, but there's a lot more we can do to add value. And part of the um, consideration was whether to change our name and part of the apprehension was how many things you have to check from copyrights to trademarks to domain names and, and whatever else is required. So um, I'm glad you found one that, that fits on so many different dimensions. Um, the, yeah. We were talking just before we kind of hit record about the, the last couple of years and how that's affected many things, but in particular, how that's affected how candidates choose to you know spend their time uh you know work takes up so many of our hours sometimes more than we might like um but 
people seem to be much more purposeful from my observations around how they're spending that time and using that resource, i.e. their kind of skills and expertise. Um, and my instinct is that in terms of what you're doing, then there's a real purpose to it. And, and actually that must be a real asset, whether it's either partners or employees or, or just people that are part of your ecosystem. But I'd, I'd love to understand more in terms of how what you're doing has helped you draw in people to, to join you on your journey in some way. Yeah, we've from day one, this has been a mission led company. So I lost my sister when she was 28. Mum was 57. Um, at some point, we're all going to lose somebody close to us. And, and if they're organized, it's much easier than not. It's a nightmare. So we've been really fortunate from, from day one with our investors. Some of our investors have lost loved ones, friends, family, partners, but also our core team members within Kilo. Um, my, my co-founder, Sarah, sadly lost her dad three years ago. Uh, my other co-founder lost a friend in a motorcycle accident. We've, one of the strap lines we use is we care. We've been there. Yeah. And that is a message that runs through everything we do at Kilo. It does what we do make a difference does a partnership with that organization make sense to the end user? But we have, with all our, our team, um, they've experienced uh, the, the, the damage caused when dealing with a loved one's estate, and they want to make a difference. And we found that because of that, that they could be probably earning far more working for a, a larger company, but the joy they get from making a difference to people's lives it's phenomenal. We're, we're building something which will affect people's lives around the world. We are developing a completely new area, which is which hasn't been done before. But when you speak to people who've used a platform and a difference it makes at the end of it, the reward is phenomenal. And I think one of the things that's coming off the back of COVID is we're actually much more aware of our own our own time. In the news, we're obviously far more aware of our own mortality. And as a result, if we can combine a platform that makes a difference to the end user, but also gives back time. So whether that's time in dealing with the estate, the administration around it. But then also when you've got a team who really do believe in what you're doing, they go above and beyond. You know, it's not a nine to five job. Working for a startup is not nine to five. And as we were talking before the call, Alan, you've got to love what you're doing because working for an early stage company you know, you're doing evenings, weekends, holidays, you're running four or five different jobs at any one point, you're spinning a million plates. But if you have the buy-in of the team who all believe what you do, you know, it's a joy because you pull together. And I think that's one of the things I really love about Kilo is we're all in this together. We all have 100% belief in this. And the partners we work with, they're all in the same place. They want to work for a company or work with a company that makes a difference. Yeah, and I think that's... Um... There's many different things that comes to mind in terms of where that can benefit. I did a chat a few weeks ago with Southwest founders up in Bristol, and that was titled Hiring with a Purpose, you know, for your startup. And I, and I, and I think that it's not the only thing that will convince people to join you. Of course, you have to pay them a fair wage in majority cases and, and treat them nicely, but it's clearly something that can make a real difference. Um, we, and, and I think you're right, it's, sometimes it might be that that person joins you for slightly less money, um, I think, you know, ultimately, it probably means they stay with you a fair bit longer. And, and either of those two things can be really valuable to a startup. We, um, we hired a chief technology officer role for a, another Southwest based company, and, and they're using IoT to improve patient pathways. And one of the candidates they were considering was looking at a, a marketing technology opportunity, and then this one, and he was willing to take a considerable amount less, because 
in his words, well, I'll care much more about what I do in the role where I'm actually seeing the impact of my work rather than simply seeing the, the wages come through at the end of each month. So we need both. But actually, I think where the real difference can be made is connecting people to that purpose, whether it's either what you're doing as a business or... Yes, they may be putting in hours, particularly in a more chaotic startup environment, but maybe if it's younger talent, you're giving them the, the learning, the personal development, the exposure to all aspects of the business they might not get in a big tech or a big corporate business. And also the ability to, to grow and to, to, to really own your own position within that company. And I think that's the exciting bit because a lot of startups are learning as they're going along. If you're, you're in early doors with those companies, you can actually really define where the company goes to. And the ability to go home and say to your, your, your spouse, your partner, this is what I'm doing and it's really exciting. You know, that I think that's one of the key things that what we're finding is we're learning so much every single day. And that's across the team that the excitement at the end of the day when we have a team wrap up is actually, wow, we didn't even think about this opportunity. And that, that to me is, is, is hugely exciting. We've gone through a, um, a piece as part of looking at our values and thinking about kind of what is our you know, purpose and, and, and definitely, you know, it's it's helping great companies like yours, you know, through finding them great people. But it's also about with our people recognizing that I hope they, they all stay for a long time, but I recognize that they may not be on the same journey as me. So actually, if when they when the time comes where maybe some of them depart, then actually, if I can say, well, I've helped you develop and grow during your time here and, and equally, you've helped you know the business develop and grow, that they can see there's that benefit from both sides, then that's um, yeah, a, a pretty decent point to be at, um, even if the in the moment, the disappointment of losing good people would be there then actually to see them grow and, and maybe one day return is definitely something that's a real, uh, a real positive. Um, yeah, absolutely. How have you... Um, I'm interested in so much as we're, you know, I'm in Bristol, you're down in Cornwall, we've got that kind of Southwest connection. Um, I know you've talked about actually some people you're working with are local to you, but some are further afield. And um, I guess what was maybe a limiting factor in terms of location, maybe is a more positive thing now, but how does location impact on the people you're bringing on board and the business you're trying to run? And how has that changed over the last couple of years? So staff-wise, we've we've hired remotely for probably just over two and a bit years now. So our, our head of partnerships, he's based in Brighton. Um, my co-founder, Sean, is based just outside of London. Uh, so we've been working remotely for two years. So when COVID came along, we were pretty much carrying on as normal. What we have found, though, is that we work in partnership with, with legal financial firms around the UK. And whereas we used to have to travel for meetings a lot more, actually, we're doing it all on Zoom now. And we're trying to pull five or six key decision makers together for a meeting in 2020 was a big job. Now you can do it within a day on, online. So that has been fantastic for us. But I also think that one of the things we used to find a bit um, difficult was people believed that you couldn't have a successful tech company outside of London. Yeah. But the Southwest and Cornwall especially has got some incredible companies, um, very tech savvy, You've got the best of both worlds. You've got the ability to work for a fast-growing company, earn a good salary for the Southwest, and have the beaches on your doorstep. So I think what we're finding now is actually the talent pool in the Southwest is growing. There's some amazing companies really thriving down here because no one wants to be sat on an hour and a half train journey every single morning to get into the city where they can work remotely. So what's happened is it's opened up a huge talent pool of people who actually want to work for a, a, a tech-for-good company want to earn a decent salary, actually don't want to live in a city. So 
the last two years have opened up people's eyes to actually, well, I can be, I can have everything I want. Uh, and we're definitely seeing that in the Southwest with tech companies being given far more credibility in, in the kind of marketplace. Yeah, like you say, it can, the location can be seen as a positive rather than, a, oh, you're, you're not London and therefore there's an issue in terms of your ability to kind of build and, and scale. Absolutely. And um, I'm curious, with, with the team dispersed, like a lot of startups will have now, um, uh, I don't believe that, you know, you need to be in an office Monday to Friday, nine to five to, to build a good team spirit. But clearly, you need to be more deliberate, I guess, about the ways in which you do that. So what's worked well for you at Kilo in terms of making sure that the team still has those connections when they're not in the office 40 hours a week together? Yeah, so we, we have our regular daily dial-in. We have a social at least once a week. Uh, we have a wrap-up at the end of the week on a Friday. We have our one-to-ones with each team member. And it's just about actually trying to think outside the box in the short term about how you can keep that morale across the team when you are working remotely. Um, it's never going to go back to Monday to Friday, nine to five in an office because I don't think it needs to. But there definitely needs to be that regular face-to-face contact with the team just to one keep the relationship strong because a company is only as strong as a relationship between the team members. Um, money's not really a driving force for everyone. So if, if you can keep people happy within the organization, give them a sense of ownership, but really combine that with a sense of social as well. Like I think it was probably six months ago, we actually met up uh, and we did an escape room challenge with, with the team. And I'm just glad that <laughs> several other people were there rather than me, because I'd still be stuck in that room, Alan. Um, but it's yeah, it's just about trying to think outside about like what can we do to get everyone together while we are still working remotely and are only now getting out of the back of lockdown. And it's not going to be an instant recovery because there are still people a bit more aware of um, their own health. So we've also got to be um, prepared that some people might take slightly longer to come back to the office. But it's about being flexible. Yeah, and I think um, I remember reading not so long ago a headline saying, uh, you know, our on-sites, the new off-sites, and actually kind of bringing people together, whether it's either into an office that isn't used so frequently or somewhere more kind of focused on um, what might be a traditional off-site and getting the team together to make those social connections. And I know that's definitely a... I, Maybe if I was building a business today, it might be a fully remote one, but uh, from our business, you know, that we've got in Bristol, then I couldn't see us not being together on a regular basis to help kind of build and maintain those connections. Um, with regards to, it, it, we talked a bit about the purpose of the business and it, and it feels to me from the conversations we've had that actually the, the culture and the values for you would tie in quite strongly to that. But um, I'm curious where... An early stage business, those initial hires are, you know, some people say that the first 10 hires set the culture and the tone for the, the next 100 hires or so. Um, what sorts of things have you done around values and, and building a culture that fits in with the business? And, you know, and, and what is it that you want to work on developing in that area in the future? Ian? No, absolutely. The, the, the key hires you bring on board are paramount to the success. So I always look at making sure they're a fit for the organization and have the same values that we have because you can always up-train skills. You know, we've, I've met companies in the past that have had a, a member of staff join them and it's been massively detrimental, even though on paper they were the perfect hire. So we're always very careful that when we do bring people on board, we've had them um, referred to by, by, by key people we know and trust. And then it's working with them to ensure there is that natural fit within the company and, and they are the right person to grow with us. Um, 
But it's not as easy as when you have that face-to-face sat down in an office. Hiring remotely is slightly more difficult. Um, and we are learning a lot from that as, as we're growing. And, and we're, we're currently going for an investment round to allow us to scale. So that that hiring process is, is going to be huge for us moving forward. And how do you um, how do you see the business changing? They'll, of course, as you go to the investment process, you'll go on to that next stage of growth. I'm sure there's some things you 100% want to stay as a constant as you go through that stage. But there may be other things you're thinking, actually, we can do more of this or less of that. And, and from a people point of view, how are you approaching that next phase of growth, whether it's either the, the people that you hire or the way that you lead the business, what's important to you in that next phase? Yeah, I, I think that as we are still quite a small business, we're under eight members of staff, but we, we do need to, to scale quite quickly. We have some really exciting partnerships coming out in the next two to three months. And we've got some really unique features launching on the app, on, on the platform as well. So what we want to do is bring on people that have that skill set in each key area, but are really hungry to get to the next level. So to really upskill people who, who join our team and give them full responsibility over their key sectors you know it's it's about giving people the ability to make decisions uh to make decisions quickly to allow us to to to, to scale as we believe we will i was doing a uh, i was doing a talk earlier on to a group of cybersecurity companies who are going through growth phase and and stole uh, what daniel pink talks about in a book called drive the um the surprising truth about what motivates people and he talks about autonomy mastery and purpose and i can see that actually as we've been talking clearly there's a strong purpose behind kilu but also some of the things you just talked about there around developing people finding people who want who value mastery and also people who want to work in an environment where they're not micromanaged or it's not dictated like it might be in a bigger business the jobs they have to do you know they're much more focused on well what are the the broader outcomes and how can i make an impact on that yeah, absolutely. And we, we find that a lot. They just give people the ability to grow and ability to make decisions and you'll absolutely fly as a result of it. Is there anything you found to, to look for those things in the hiring process? Like you say, particularly if it's predominantly over Zoom, often at the moment there's a need to move with velocity through a hiring process. You want to shortcut things, um, but there can be a, you know, a tendency to do that. Um, have you found anything works particularly well when you're interviewing people to trying to uncover that? curiosity or that desire to to grow with the business yeah as, as i mentioned alan we're still a very small team uh and the, the key hires we have at the moment have been referred to us from people who already either work within the business or we work with in a partnership uh in partnership with so all of a sudden you've got that kind of well i i would work with this person highly recommend them so that's half the battle is would you work with them would you recommend them um but we are yet to hire an external person within the business who's not either been referred to us from, a, from another member of staff or somebody we'd like to work with. So we are going to be obviously hiring quite quickly. Um, and as a result of that, we do need to make sure that as we are hiring these people, they are the right fit for the business. And this is where working with somebody like yourself, Alan, really comes into its own. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that point. I'm, I'm interested to dive off onto the network side of things because I know going back a few years, you're involved in some of the local Cornish business networks. Yeah. So um, I'm curious, every time I speak to a founder, I'm a big believer in it can be a bit lonely at the top. So often kind of a, a network of other people, often actually running different businesses, but with similar challenges can be a really good way to, in effect, learn on the job, which is what we're all doing. Um, how has your kind of network helped you build the business now and 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 how do you hope it kind of helps you in the future yeah we're, we're incredibly lucky we've got a very strong advisory board of people that have been in 
my position and have either scaled or exited or in the process of doing both. But LinkedIn is an incredible tool that you can, within a couple of minutes, reach out to some another founder, another CEO, a different position, and just have a conversation. And I think people are really willing to give that advice. And as, as founders and CEOs, you, you often judge yourself against people who are hugely successful with unicorn status companies. And it can be quite daunting, but sometimes what I really like to do is step back and speak to people at the start of the journey. So people are doing their first round of investment. And at that point, you actually realize how much you've learned over your experience. And actually, you can help these people and give something back. So it gives you a sense of actually, where am I in the journey? How much have I learned over the past couple of years? But also, who else should I be talking to in a mental capacity to, to, to help you grow? And yes, there's been a lot, a lot less face-to-face -face networking, but I'm, I'm a member of lots of different organizations where founders get together online, either for a social or just a one-to-one. A -one. But people are willing to share time and experience, which I think is incredibly useful. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think I'm, I'm really proud of a, a recruitment network I've got, but also then Bristol Network and a few other things. I did a program with, with Goldman Sachs a few years ago, which was a number of small businesses coming together and, and those sort of alumni connections three or four years on. I know it's something that I rely on you know, pretty much every week. And it's, there's always someone out there who's been through part of your journey, so you don't need to copy them, but no doubt you can kind of you can learn from them and share some of their experience along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when it comes to kind of um, the, the mentoring side of things, part of me is thinking that I've done some mentoring for some of the universities local to Bristol, and um, it does help me realise how much I've learned, but also when I'm there giving advice, I probably think, do you know what, I, I should perhaps take a bit of my own advice, and I may seem wise, but if I'm not following it myself and actually executing on it, then, uh, then what's the point? Um, is there anything now, if you were talking to your younger self, anything that you would uh, particularly uh, focus on doing better or differently or, or even sort of sticking with and staying constant on? I think time management is, is, is one of the hardest things with, within any startup and saying the ability to say no yeah. as well. So when we started, we would go to meetings in the city. So travel for four or five hours to get to London for a meeting, which you really hadn't worked out was, what am I going to get from this meeting? But you're just so keen to, 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 so I think time management, learning to say no, and being far more upfront before you actually have a meeting with a company. What is a partnership? Are we likely to make this happen? What's a, what for us as a company is going to be the end result of this? So I would, I, like I said, I would probably look back and, be a bit more ruthless on some of the early stage decisions we made as a company but unless you go through them you simply don't know and you haven't got somebody there holding your hands and saying this is what we should be doing this is what we shouldn't be doing but i would certainly look to bring on a mentor far earlier uh, than i than i did previously so my, my, i think with any startup try and get somebody on board as an early stage mentor advisor to you who's been through the process and hopefully somebody in a similar sector because they'll, and a lot of these people who've been there, done it, they're quite happy to give back. And I, I think that you only learn from your mistakes and a good mentor will save you a huge amount of time and mistakes going forward. Yeah, no, I'd agree definitely. It's uh, the wisdom of others is a big part of being able to build a strong business. Um, so as you, as you move through this next phase of investment, then obviously that ties into big plans for the future. What are your what are your hopes once you get through that investment and actually have the platform and the resources to to build? You've got a strong brand behind you. You've obviously got the core of a of a good team. What are your hopes for the next few years for Keyleo and and how that kind of evolves? 
Well, one of the things we've been working on is the automation of the platform to allow us not only to work in partnership with companies in the UK, but globally. Uh, we, we are solving a problem, which is a global one. So from the day you're born, you're on a journey. We just don't know when the end is going to be for all of us. So the goal is to see Kilo as an organization known and trusted internationally, um, making a difference to people's lives around the world, but really building a, a, a core team of skilled staff who love what they do to share the message and just develop partnerships and make a difference to those companies we work with uh, on, on an international basis. No, brilliant. I know we've talked about a few things and, you're definitely not even presenting yourself as someone who's, who's mastered everything around the people's other things, but clearly you've had some success along the way. When it comes to either um, top tips around bringing the right people on board or actually motivating them and, and keeping them as you grow and scale, anything that you'd uh, you'd pass on as, as words of wisdom? Yeah, for, for me, like it's my, with my limited knowledge, I would say really get to know the person and what they want from the position. You know, are they are they looking for a, a, a salary which is too high for your company to pay? Can you reward him in other ways, options and involvement in the company? Um, but I really find out what that person wants to make sure it's the right fit, because they might be for the right fit for the company, but maybe in two or three years time. So keep an eye on those ones. Uh, but you want somebody from, from that early stage point of view is willing to get their hands dirty, roll up their sleeves and get stuck in. And I think that's the key skill i always look for are you willing to to get down and dirty with the rest of the team to develop the platform and the product yeah i think you're, you're right I definitely um you know that that sort of mindset or the mentality we we focus predominantly on the startup and scale up market and so we talk to lots of great candidates but some great candidates that aren't great for the startup and the scale-up market, but we do a brilliant job for a bigger corporate because of whatever it is they value. So I think that the more you can avoid keyword matching on a CV and a job spec and actually get under the skin of what motivates and excites people, the more chance you've got of finding people that aren't just going to join you, but are going to stay with you. Yeah, maybe not forever, but at least for a decent amount of time where they can make a real dent, make a real impact. And equally, you can you can see that you've developed them and like you've touched on a few times, help them grow as they, uh, you know, as they move on to that next stage of their journey, wherever it may be. It might also be they come on board for one position. We find out they're much stronger in a, sec- in a position they've never thought about. Like we have members of our team who work in the client services who are fantastic in, in different departments. So I think one of the joys of coming on board with an early stage startup is where your background might be marketing. You might actually find you're fantastic at sales and partnerships. So you've got that flexibility with an early stage company to actually really develop into a sector you might not have thought about before. Yeah, I think that definitely ties back into if you focus on values and soft skills versus the, you know, what technical framework they've used or whether they've used the latest bit of marketing kit, you're much more likely to find those people that can progress laterally as well as up and actually are um, hopefully have that humility where and an aptitude for learning that they'll dive into different areas of business rather than be too principled that well no this is my domain and i'm not going to step outside of that for whatever reasons um, yeah stretch the comfort zone i would i always think that in some of the stuff i do now i wouldn't have done two years ago you know there's no way but now the more you do it the more comfortable you get doing it um for me it's always amazing to look back at where you started yeah, that's right. I think we're all guilty sometimes of, of focusing on the next day and the next day, but actually a bit of reflection and uh, and using that to, to show the progress and help set you up for the future, I think is uh, is a really valuable bit of advice. So, um, 
yeah, Ian, I'm, I'm really grateful for you taking the time to chat to us today and, you know, really excited to see how your journey evolves over the next few weeks and months and, um, yeah, and, and wish you loads of success with, with Kilo and, uh, and the business you're building. And, um, and thanks once again for, for spending time with us today. Thank you, Alan. It was a pleasure to talk. Thank you.